Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I think everyone's first thought would be, how much money do you need to, ha- to start investing? You do not need a lot of money to start investing. You literally can invest with a dollar. They have made it so incredibly easy with so many different accounts. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a bit. My name is Pete and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how can I start investing money? Our amazing expert today is Jenny Phan. She is 30 years old, first generation Vietnamese American and lives in California. She has a nine to five job in biotech, invests money and shares her story and tips on building wealth on her socials at Worth the Happiness. Welcome Jenny, so happy you're here. Yay, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Normally, my first question is always how the experts' 30s are, but you only just turned 30, so I'm changing it up. What do you expect of your 30s? I expect it to be really exciting. I feel like it's going to be like unlocking a new chapter. I have a lot more experience in about every aspect of my life, you know, going through the 20s when it comes to career, finance, relationships, so... I think it's going to be filled with a lot of huge milestones and achievements. That sounds really exciting. When we were talking about this episode and how we were going to build it up, you mentioned that money management is kind of the step before investing, and you wanted to talk about that as well. Can you touch on the money management piece and give us some tips on it? So a lot of people hear investing and they get super excited about it because it is a huge key component of building wealth. So especially investing in the long term and it's and it's unfamiliar, right? Not everybody has started investing. Um, So I think it is really important, but a lot of people kind of miss the fact that having a really strong financial foundation of knowing how to manage your money is just as critical. And actually, I would say is the key step before you even start investing. So what I mean by that is that you really want to have awareness and clarity. So when I say awareness, that's awareness of your financial health, understanding where your money is coming in, where your money is going, and then also clarity, clarity on your goals, what you need to do in order to reach those goals. So some of the key actions that you can actually take in order to kind of figure out where you stand with your financial health uh, is calculating your net worth. A lot of people haven't actually done that. And I think it's a really great measure of financial health because it gives you a snapshot of where you are and how you're doing. And this includes all the debt payments that you're making and all the cash savings that you're having. And so what you'd want to do is really just list out your cash, um, you know, all your assets in terms of your cash, your retirement accounts, if you own real estate, what that value is. You subtract all your liabilities, which is all your debt, your credit card debt, your loans, and it should give you a number. And ideally, 
you know, where that number is just tells you where you are in that point in time. When it comes to investing, you do need disposable income. And the best way to figure out if you have disposable income is understanding how your money is doing and, and where it's going. We already have a step one. Make sure you figure out what your net worth is. That's amazing. And then for starters, can you in very easy words explain to people how they can start investing and what the options are? Yeah. So when it comes to starting investing, the first thing I will, I will say is the easiest thing to do is if you have an employer-sponsored retirement account, such as a 401k, a 403b, things like that, you can easily start investing. I don't think people realize that they're investing when they have these employer-sponsored accounts, but you essentially just select how much you want to contribute, uh, you know, a percentage of your paycheck, and that's it. Like, you're done. You know, you're now investing and you just started, you know, building your future. Now, when it comes to investing on your own, again, you want to make sure that you have disposable income. So first step, figure out if, you, you know, how much extra money you have. Um, and then once you figure that out, you can literally just get started um, with even just with robo advising as an example, because I always recommend that a uh, robo advising first for those who are really unfamiliar with investing, because I think it's a really um, good tool. It's it, the way it works is you essentially treat it as like a bank account, right? Like the, when you transfer your money into a savings account. You know, you just transfer that from your checkings to your savings and then you're done. When it comes to robo-advising or robo-investing, it's pretty much the same thing. The way it's set up, it's meant to be easy. So what you'll do is you'll they'll ask you a set of questions like your age, what your goals are, your risk tolerance, and then you can start transferring whether it's like, you know, a few dollars or however much you want, that will get invested for you automatically based on the questions that you've answered. I think that's the easiest way to at least just get started to know that you're doing it if you are wanting to learn and do it on your own. And while in that process, you can start to you know familiarize yourself a little bit more so that you can understand and, and start to choose your own investments at, at a later point. But at least that's the easiest way, I think, to get started. That's a really good one. And when you're mentioning the pension, so say you've got some disposable income, what percentage mm -hmm. would you suggest people use to invest? When it comes to the percentage, first off is if you have any type of employer match, then you should always invest up to that match because that's money that is supposed to be a part of your compensation package and you don't want to miss out on that. So if your employer is matching, you know, up to 3%, then get started with 3%. That's what I would say is, you know, how much you should invest now Anything above the match is really going to be dependent on your goals because, you know, the point of investing in a retirement account, especially one that's employer sponsored, it's meant for retirement. So if you are wanting to build more and your goal is to really ensure that you have um, a significant amount of funds like for your retirement, then maybe you increase that. You know, I think it really depends on where your goals are at the moment in time. If you have credit card debt that you're actively paying down, as an example, then I would say just stick with the match just so you make sure that you get what you deserve. Focus on paying your credit card debt. So that percentage is really going to be dependent on your own financial situation. But 
always at least up to the match bare minimum. And just for clarity, in most of these pension accounts, you don't have access to that money until you're uh, 65 or 67, right? Yeah, yeah, some of the rules are a little bit different. Some are like around 59 and a half. Some consider retirement at the age of, you know, 62, 63, 65, things like that. Um, but yes, you technically don't have access to that until the age, but it's not completely inaccessible when it comes to like 401ks, as an example, then, you know, you can access it, but there's just a penalty that you'd have to pay. Um, you know, usually that could be upwards of 10% or so. And so obviously that's to discourage you, you know, from withdrawing before the age of retirement, because that's the purpose of the account. Exactly. So if you do want to be able to play around with your money and take it out and put more in, et cetera, then you would want to open your own account at an investment company, correct? Where you just do it yourself? Yes. Yeah. So that would be called a brokerage. So a brokerage would be where you would, um, you know, open an account and that gives you a lot more flexibility in order to kind of choose to withdraw, you know, as you please, which is why, you know, it's not really one or the other, like, oh, just investing in my retirement or, you know, having my own brokerage is usually both having your retirement account as your investments. And then also your individual like brokerage and a taxable account is what they call it, um, because that gives you a lot more flexibility as well. But again, all dependent on your goals. Some people, you know, don't may not have their own individual investing account because they're like, well, my primary goal is just solely focused on just making sure that I have enough for retirement. I'd rather spend my money now. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. of course, if you have the goals to be have more flexibility and that's that's something that you'd like, then it would be uh, highly recommended to have your own uh, investing account as well. And I think everyone's first thought would be how much money do you need to ha- to start investing? You do not need a lot of money to start investing. You literally can invest with a dollar. They have made it so incredibly easy with so many different accounts. I think um, even Acorns as an example, where they will just uh, link to your transactions and they'll round up to the dollar and just invest those cents, right? So you truly do not need a lot of money. And I think that's a really big misconception um, in order to invest but you do want to have disposable income. In order to you know, figure that out and make sure that you have some money left over, you can use that and you can start investing. I think um, you had an amazing post on Instagram showing that you can make a million dollars in 30 years time by saving $740 a month, which is $740 is quite a bit because that's like you need a yeah, lot of disposable income. But that adds up to a million in 30 years. That's amazing. Yes, because of the idea of compound interest. Um, and, you know, the more money that you have invested, the more it works for you. So I will say as an example, some people like to kind of hit that $100,000 as like a milestone number, right? Because the road to $100,000 invested is the longest. Some people can take upwards of like 10 years in order to get that first $100,000 invested but once you hit $100,000, you know, 100 to 200 is significantly less. Even I would say you could grow that in like less than half the time that it took you to take to 100. And then from 200 to 300 is even less than that. So it's just the earlier you get started and try to kind of set those goals for yourself and seeing like try to invest as much as you can with um, the amount of money that you have 
you know, left over. And all of that should be able to, you know, grow um, as long as it's invested in. That's very different, you know, than trying to just put all your money in, in like a savings account. It's not going to it's not going to grow at the, the rate as it would if you were to invest that. Yeah, I think that's really uh, important for people to understand that the interest rate that you get in a savings account is nothing compared to what you can get at uh, a brokerage or if someone else is investing the money for you and especially over a long period of time because I've also invested money and I've like really have this mindset like I'm not gonna touch it for so 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 long just to see it compound um, and I think that's the best strategy right people just need to put it away and not touch it Yes, 100%. Investing needs to be viewed as like a long term game. Like you think about how long your life is going to be, your goal is to be able to save and invest for the long term, you're not going to see, you know, that type of growth if you're thinking very short term, right? Like, um, you know, you think you're just gonna make like a million dollars in just like a few years, it doesn't work that way, really long term game, investing that long term game is really like where real wealth is is built. (laughs) And I think also an important thing for people to realize is that if you do want to invest smaller amounts, say 50 euros, it's probably better to go with a company that does that for you because otherwise you need to spend the money that a share costs, right? Which can be more like if you look at Apple, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Um, I think Previously, a lot of brokerages were, you know, not allowing you to buy what they call partial shares, right? Exactly to your point. Like if a share costs, if Apple share costs like $200, you can't just put like $50, you know, to, to get a part of that. But it's now shifting because more and more brokerages are allowing you to buy partial shares that it is possible. And to your point, you know, if you want to get started with smaller amounts of money, that is something to to look into, like making sure that whatever brokerage you decide to go with allows you to potentially buy partial shares. What's an average cost a year if you want to use someone that uh, invests for you? So when you say invest for you, do you mean like a financial advisor? Yes. Yeah. So like or a company that you send money to and they'll invest it for you. Oh, there's two different kind of components to this. So when it comes to what I was just mentioning, like a robo investing, robo advisor, that is not managed by an actual person. They really just kind of take the data, your your answers and your responses, your age, your risk tolerance, and they kind of choose typically like either ETFs or index funds that it'll just automatically invest for you. Now, when we think about the um, rate, right? So sometimes if you were to go and choose your own ETFs or, or stocks and things like that, um, rate would be somewhere along the lines of like 0.0. 0.01%. But when you do robo investing, it's usually what I've seen is around 0.25%. And still that's that's really small, right? That's a very small fee to to pay to know if you know that like hey, I don't want to go through the process of you know, learning all these like different investments, analyzing it and things like that and you just want to transfer your money, know that it's being invested, that's a really easy route and it's not, you know, it's not the worst. But those fees can add up the more money that you have, which is why I said, like, I think that's a really great route to get started. But I also believe anyone can kind of choose their own investments once they understand enough and kind of learn that what it means and kind of how to choose those investments. 
then you can always switch over, right? And then get the lower fees and kind of choose your own investments. But if you're talking just like, even if you had like ten, twenty thousand dollars 0.25% of that is, is not that much, you know, in my opinion. Now, the second part of your question, financial advising. If you actually go and have someone else do it for you, the fees can be quite large. I don't know exactly the, the numbers, but you're working with somebody, right? And you're essentially giving them your money to invest for you. And sometimes, you know, they can try to say that they can like beat the market is what they'll say, right? Or, you know, based on kind of what your goals are. I really highly believe that anyone can invest on their own. They don't need a financial advisor. And a lot of people also think that financial advising is for those who have a lot of money, which is, that's typically the people who usually go to a financial advisor. But I promise you that anyone can learn this and you can do it yourself and you can save significant amount of fees. Like not, you do not need a financial advisor in my opinion. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> and earlier you started talking about ETFs and stocks. Um, can you explain what the difference is? Yeah. So ETFs and electronic traded fund, they act very similar to a stock where you can just go and buy like a share of an ETF. Um, a stock is owning like a particular share of a company. So Apple has stock. So if you buy like one stock, you now own a part of the company, right? And the more stocks that you buy, then the more proportion of the, of the company that you own. ETFs are nice because they, they what they call trade like stocks. So they act like stocks, but they're more diversified. So it's uh, imagine not just Apple, but you have like the top 500 companies in the US in one ETF, right? So that's more diversified. You're owning a little bit of everything. And so there are ETFs for a variety of different things. You can have an ETF of, like I just mentioned, the top 500 companies in the US. You can have like what they call like the total stock market ETF, which is pretty much like all the companies like in one ETF, or you can have it in a particular um, like industry, whether it's like healthcare, there's like a healthcare ETF where the ETF is composed of all the healthcare companies or the technology companies, you know, things like that. So that's the, the main difference between an ETF and a stock. What's really nice about ETFs is that you are really spreading that risk and you're owning a little bit of everything um, versus, you know, if you own a whole bunch of stock in one company and let's say that company fails as an example, or if it goes down, then that value is going to go down significantly. Whereas ETF, you kind of mitigate that risk because you're, you're, you have your hands in a bunch of different companies. I have most of my stock in S&P 500, which is one of these examples where... Yeah. They're the top 500 companies in the U.S. So it's all spread yeah. out. Would you suggest that's a good place for people to start? Oh, 100%. Especially if you're new, you don't know anything about like investing. A lot of people, when they think of investing, they, they think about like just the stocks, right? The stock market, buying companies. And that's where it, it, it feels scary if you've never done it before because exactly what I just said how do I know that I'm investing in the right company if I don't have a full understanding of it and then I'm not as confident with ETFs it's you know understanding that you're not just putting all your eggs in one basket you are 
putting it in all these different companies, that is significantly less risky than just putting all your eggs in just like one company and one stock. So I absolutely think ETFs are a great entry point for those who want to get started with investing. I think also, correct me if I'm wrong, with the ETFs, you could just keep that rolling forever and ever and ever and don't do anything about it. But if you have, um, if you buy stock and you have shares in a company, I would really want to follow the news all the time and see if it's going up or down or is there a bad quarterly report coming out or something like that. And then you'd want to ditch them as soon as possible or buy more if there's really good news coming. But I feel like you should be really active if you have a lot of money in individual stocks. Yes, absolutely. You know, like if you are putting your money and owning like a part of that company, to your point, like you want to understand how that company is doing. Like you can't just, uh, you know, set it and forget it because what if, yeah, you're like, hey, I want to make the decision. I want to sell my my stock or or not sell it as an example. But with ETFs, to your point, like there's so many different companies in there. It is an opportunity for you to make it a lot more passive. Just kind of set it, forget it. You know, like, hey, I, um, especially if you're doing what you just mentioned, top 500, S&P 500, there's ETFs that follow that. And you're like the top 500 companies, just however that market's doing is, is you're riding the wave along with, you know, how that, how the, the, the S&P 500 uh, market's doing. I checked my account uh, in advance for this uh, conversation. I use an app called the Giro. I don't know if they're anywhere else but Europe. They're definitely a larger player, I think, in Germany and the Netherlands. Um, okay. So I saw my profit. Thank God there is a bit of profit in there again after years of not really much happening. Do you think people should reinvest the profit somewhere or just leave it in, in my case, mostly SMPs? Just keep roll it, roll it and not really change anything about it. Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, reinvesting it is a great strategy because, you know, again, it's building wealth for the long term. If you were to take those profits, like, again, what what are you doing with it? You know, and knowing that the more money that you have, the more it compounds, right? So if you don't have a plan or you a need to withdraw or sell in order to take out the profits that you're, you may potentially make, then it makes sense to me to just reinvest it because you want it to grow for the long term. And until you're actually ready and you have a reason as to why you are taking it out. Okay, that's a really good one. I should definitely reinvest that. I've actually been thinking about opening one of these um, pension accounts because I've basically had my own company for years now mm-hmm. and I, don't, I haven't really built up any pension and I am 33 years old, which is really scary. <laughs> so maybe I should put that money into a uh, pension account. Yeah, so I don't know how it works in in Europe, but at least pension in the US, there's only there's only so many, there's only like a handful of industries or companies that will offer a pension. And kind of the difference between like a pension and maybe a, like any other retirement account is a pension is like a guaranteed amount that you're going to get. Like the, once you retire, it calculates based on like however much you contribute and whatever, you know, the company like rules are, I guess. Um, And then, you know, you get like this set amount, like forever, right? It never ends. That is not as common anymore because there's so many, you know, now there a lot of companies are using like in America, they're called like 401ks, but you also have other retirement based accounts such as 
like an IRA, individual retirement account, which you can open on your own. So for you, like, you know, if you are self-employed, then typically there should be an option for you to like open your own retirement account and contribute to it. And the really big difference is just the rules, right? It's just when you can withdraw, what you can do with it. I think there's a lot of advantages with retirement accounts, even the ones that you open on your own, because you can, most of the time, those you can save a lot on taxes compared to just a regular investment account. So if you know, like, hey, you already have your individual retire, uh, individual like investing account because you're, you know, you have that flexibility already, and you're like, hey, I want to make sure that I'm also taking care of like my future self. And if you know that there's money that you're going to be using for your retirement, it, you know, to me, it's worth it to to look into opening a, a retirement, you know, type of investing account so that you can pro- potentially save significantly more on just like taxes and whatever rules that comes about it, you know, based on where you're located. That is such a good tip. You have some uh, some examples on your Instagram as well, where you have people where you compare two people. One puts in more in a in a retirement fund than the other one, and then at the end of the bottom line, um, showing how much taxes someone needs to pay, and the difference is huge. Yes, because taxes um, can really take a big hit <laughs> on you know your your just like the money that you're taking home because. For example, there are retirement accounts where where the money that grows in it is tax-free. So if you think about, you put in, let's just give an example of like $100,000, right? And then let's say that $100,000 grows to $500,000, $600,000. You know, you have several hundreds of thousands of dollars that has grown and you know, you may not need to pay taxes on that because just solely because it's the fact that it's in a retirement account with tax advantages. Whereas in a, you know, typical individual brokerage, that's taxable. So that, you know, 100 to 500, that $400,000 will be taxed. And whatever your tax rate is, let's say it's like 20, 30%, that's a significant chunk. Okay. So, you know, if you know that you want to, you know, have funds and you're really thinking ahead in the future for retirement, then it absolutely makes sense for you to also have a retirement account because you can benefit hugely with all the different tax advantages. You also had another post which really shocked me and makes me rethink about a lot of decisions of my life. You said (laughs) a millennial needs a whopping $3.6 million for retirement. And that would mean saving 10 grand a month or investing uh, $2,650 a month. So the difference between investing and saving is huge, but still 3.6 million. Think about it. So that was based on an article and they just did like a study on just trying to understand, you know, how much people think they need versus how much you, you know, based on like average salaries and things like that. One component of that is inflation. Okay. So value is going to be very different. So when we think about like you know, one versus like 3 million, that's going to be very different, um, you know, in 30 years, 40 years from now, right? And if you just look back from this point in time and look backwards 30 years, you always hear people saying, oh, you know, the price of this was like X amount, like the, you know, the minimum wage was, was this and it was significantly less. Well, that's because of inflation. So that's one thing that you, you want to make sure that you account for as well. And this is also based on like comfortable living. You know, this is just, it's just a ballpark number to, for you to kind of have an idea, but it is really mind blowing because 
a million dollars, like maybe really good today, but that's not the case, you know, maybe 30 years from now, things are going to get more expensive. Cost of living is going to increase. So it's just something to, to be mindful of. It was shocking. It was shocking. And I'm definitely like, I need to open one of these retirement accounts. I need to invest more of my disposable income, like a more a higher percentage. There's definitely some changes I need to make. I, I'm realizing that now, which is good. And I hope a lot of listeners also are like, okay, let's sit down and think about this more. Yeah. So like really, it truly is like income minus your expenses and investing the difference. And don't be afraid to invest that, right? However, you know, you just, one thing that I want to make sure, you know, that is communicated is that you want to know your goals, right? Like, so if you do have goals, like for example, to, you know, purchase a a home in the next like five years, I would never say to like invest that money because five years is not a lot of time to kind of, you know, ride the waves of the markets. And we've already seen in the last couple of years, like we've seen some pretty big dips. And let's say you're like, oh, I was going to plan on buying a home. I'm going to pull it out. That's not as, you know, safe, I guess. (laughs) But if you're more risk averse, and I would always say like, hey, if you have plans to like put cash somewhere, whether it's investing in real estate, then you want to make sure that you are meeting those goals. And some of that disposable income that you have could be for that goal. But I would I would not underestimate the the power of having that clarity of like, what is it that you like actually want, so that you can dedicate all that disposable income somewhere, don't let it sit around, like every dollar should have a home is what I like to tell my clients, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have $500 left over, tell me where that $500 $500 is going and what for? Just don't let it just sit in your account, you know? And if you're going to put it in a savings account, make sure it's a high yield savings account. And then also know what what are you saving for? Always ask yourself, like, what is it that you're saving for? <laughs> okay, that's so good. If listeners want to be a very active investor, where do you suggest they'd start? Active investing requires a lot of understanding of financial markets. So you want to make sure that you are staying up to date with the news. It requires like financial analysis or, you know, when you follow a particular company, you can read uh, their quarterly reports as an example. Like that really requires um, a lot of effort. And I would only recommend it for those who are genuinely interested in that. Majority of people don't need to be like a Wall Street trader um, in order to build wealth. But if that is an area of interest for you, then it's definitely making sure that you understand like financial markets, understand like what um, like different companies, a risk analysis. Um, So I think there are a lot of different resources in terms of like books or even courses and things like that, that you can, you know, get involved in. A lot of people who do active investing and, and kind of are in that world typically, you know, study finance for to in order to do that. But yeah, I think it takes a lot more effort, but I'm sure there are a lot of different like resources in terms of books, but I would say, you know, understanding financial markets, financial analysis, company analysis, and really risk analysis and things, all of that. So those are some of the things you can possibly like look up to try to learn more about active investing. Nice. And to kind of summarize the uh, things we spoke about earlier, if you want to be a passive investor, what are the best options? Passive investing Understanding things like ETFs, index funds, 
that's very passive. That's like the most passive you can get index funds, ETFs into like robo investing, robo advising, because those are the brokerages that passively invest for you into ETFs and index funds. That's easiest, most passive way just to get started. And then with robo investing, especially if you have a smaller amount each month that you want to invest, mm -hmm. and then maybe doing it yourself, putting it in ETFs and index funds. Um, if you have maybe a little bit more money each month, you can do it yourself. Um, what kind of apps or websites would you suggest people use in the U.S.? So in the U.S., the really two big robo-investing um, companies is Wealthfront and Betterment. So those two um, brokerages really offer easy, easy ways for you to invest. And they also have both taxable, you know, brokerage accounts and also things like Roth IRAs or individual retirement accounts as well. So you can take that same passive approach when you do um, choose to invest in like retirement based accounts as well. So that's a really good option. Um, now, if you want to kind of take it a step up and, and use like pick your own ETFs and own index funds, then you can use a variety of different brokerages. Uh, very common ones are like Vanguard, Charles Schwab, Fidelity. I would say Vanguard has um, pretty high minimums when it comes to investing in index funds. It could be upwards of like $3,000, but you could also, you could choose ETFs. And I think they more recently just allowed you to kind of buy um, uh you know, like just right that you can pick and choose like regular ETF. So, you know, one thing I would just mention is as you're comparing these different brokerages is just look and see like, what's the minimum it takes to, to invest? And are there any like fees associated with it? Do they allow for partial investing? I can tell you that I have Vanguard, I have Fidelity. Fidelity allows you to do partial investing. So you can buy partial shares um, and invest like very small amounts. So just take a look at the different brokerages and and um, just make sure that you kind of look into those details of if they allow you to do that. And try to understand what you're doing, what you're buying, yeah. why you're buying it, exactly, what the stock is doing, what the ETF is about. Try to have a good understanding so you just know where you're literally putting your money. Yeah, exactly. And uh, having at least some level of understanding is definitely important because you want to understand like what you're doing. But if you want to be extremely passive, then you're like, just messing everything. For example, there are people who will invest even just like in sustainable companies. There are ETFs and index funds for that. Why? Because that's what they care about. That's what they value, right? Or like you value, you understand that like, you know, the, the US economy is something that's continuously going to grow. And, you know, you believe that like, okay, then, you know, you can diversify that, lower your risk and invest in the entire US market, not just one individual company, like that could be a reason, right? But just at least having an understanding of like, what, what is the reason that you you are trying to invest in these markets? And what are you trying to achieve? Like, if it's just I just want to passively invest because I want to make sure that I am investing to build wealth, then great. That's a great reason. Or if there's a particular, you know, reason that you want to invest in technology companies, because we all know technology is like skyrocketing and just like the way it grows, then great. Like that's, you, you feel like you can put some of your investments there. Then I'm going to go to my final question. If you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? One takeaway is that, you want to start early and invest often 
to build wealth. So being able, the earlier you start, time is really on your hands. So take action. Hopefully after listening to this, you are inspired to at least learn something. And even just doing that, you're taking action. So start early and just invest often. Are there some books you can recommend that I can put on the website by any chance? Yeah, yeah. So one book that I really think is a great beginning book that covers all the everything from financial like management to like understanding investing is I Will Teach You to Be Rich by um, Ramit Sethi. So that is actually the very first book that I read when I just started to get into understanding like personal finances. It covers everything from, you know, understanding high yield savings account, like how to approach credit card debt, like managing all of that, and then also understanding really basics of passive investing. And so I think that is a really great book to to get started for anybody. Amazing. I'll put a link on the website as well, 30andabit.com. Thank you so much. I think um, this is a really good kind of high level for the listeners to understand what the options are. And then it's kind of up to them to dig deeper and look up what they're interested in. But definitely think it's a really good place to start. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Very grateful for the opportunity. And thanks for giving me a platform to kind of share a little bit of that knowledge. Do you still take on clients? I do. Yes, I do still take on clients. Um, I My current coaching program is called the Wealth Building Plan. And so for me, that's really comprehensive of everything that I just mentioned from financial, you know, understanding of money management, all the way into the last part of the, the last portion of the uh, course, which is um, investing. So the way I like to break it down is, you know, past to present, understanding where you are today, level of awareness, clarity. We do a lot of goal setting, really getting, you know, un- having understanding that vision of where you're trying to go. And then personalized, like present day is everything in terms of creating your money system, making it fit your lifestyle, your goals, your vision, and then automating that so that it's consistent. You can kind of you know, keep it consistent and as passive as possible. You just know exactly what you need to do, create that plan, and then really thinking about the future. And that's where I say future is to me, it's all about investing. And that's where you you can learn about how to truly build long-term wealth. So I cover that comprehensively when I work with my clients. Amazing. And people can find you on at uh, Worth the Happiness. Also follow you for like these little insights that I gave throughout the episode about how much money you need to have a million dollars in 30 years and how much you need for retirement. There are so many little um, posts that you share that are really, really interesting. So everyone give uh, Jenny a follow. And again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It truly means the world having you here. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast and leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple. It really helps with growing. We will be back. Bye. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.